0: If you think you live in an area that's, you know, it's not big enough to sustain your practice, uh, it's possible. You just get out there, get networking.
1: Hey y'all, what's up? This is Aaron LeBauer. Welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast, the number one show for passionate physical therapists looking to start and grow an even more successful physical therapy practice without the headaches or conflict of interest that insurance companies bring. Before we get to the episode, real quick, if you're new to the show or haven't picked up your cash PT checklist yet, then you're definitely missing out. This checklist lays out all the essential steps you need to start a cash-based physical therapy business. If you want me to send that to you, then go to cashptchecklist.com. That's c a s h p t c h e c k l i s t.com. Enter your first name and email and you'll get this essential checklist right away. Thanks, and now on to the show. Hello, welcome to Cash CashPG Lunch Hour. This is Aaron Labauer, your host, and today my special guest is Holland Oliver of Coastline Physical Therapy. Holland has a cash practice in Maine, as well as a couple other online programs and multiple streams of revenue, and so I'm excited to chat with her today about all these opportunities so, Holland, thanks so much for joining us. I'm glad to have you on the show.
0: Thank you. This is great.
1: Yeah, awesome. Can you just give us a little bit of background about, you know, who you are, where, like, where's your business, what uh, what you specialize in, you know, like, just give me that, like, nuggets. Like, you don't even have to tell us you're, if you're Sagittarius or Cancer or Capricorn, but just give us those, like, background nuggets to describe you.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so, I grew up on an island off the coast of Maine. Uh, tiny little, tiny little island near Bar Harbor. It's called Deer Alice Stonington. I played every sport I possibly could growing up, and then looking to expand my view of the world, I went to the University of Vermont. I took a, a slightly different path than most people do um, for physical therapy school. At the time, most people were trying to take biology or nutrition sciences, and that was sort of their segue into the field, but. You know, I knew I wanted to go into PT school right away, so mm-hmm. I uh, I got creative and I I did a human development, family studies, social work undergraduate degree, and then I uh, continued at UVM, where I mean, if you've ever been to Burlington, it is absolutely awesome. So I yeah. I stayed there uh, for PT school. I played softball for the University of Vermont, and. Uh, At the very end of my clinical rotations, I I took a job down in Rhode Island where I stayed for eight years and, you know, kind of pushed the envelope of trying to make changes in the insurance model and then decided I felt like I was at a status quo. And after somebody recommended that I connect with you, I I took the leap and moved back to Maine.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, I mean, I just wanted to correct you on something, isn't it called Bahaba instead of...
2: Uh (laughs) Bahaba.
1: That's awesome. I've been up to Maine a couple of times and the lobster is amazing and the, sh- the lobster shacks are awesome. So do you guys have one nearby?
0: Uh, I mean, they're everywhere. Okay. Uh, so that's okay. a yes. Uh, I, know I live in catches more lobster than anywhere
1: else in the world. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I need to come visit.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible.
1: <laughs> that sounds great. So You went to PT school. Um, I've also been to Burlington. I didn't spend more than an afternoon there. It was beautiful. You went to PT school and then you went and got a job. And what was it about the job or what happened or what was going on that you were just like, this isn't working for me long term?
0: I mean, the job I had out of school, they were great. They were willing to invest in what I was passionate about, you know, at the time, Um, And it's still true, you know. I love sports. Whether it's uh, you know a Division One program or CrossFit, I really enjoyed sports orthopedics PT, and they were great in allowing me to pursue my passion, um, which allowed me to you know learn a lot about business management. I was able to take on a a director role as that clinic expanded,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: um, to really establish two of their locations. So when I started, they had you know, three locations and seven or eight PTs. And by the time I left, we had probably close to 50 PTs. Um, So this, you know, small family practice became a little more corporate as, uh, as I was there throughout my eight or nine years. But I had like wonderful opportunities. I was able to establish a sports medicine program and start working with the University of Rhode Island and Bryant Universities and their division one sports teams. And I always thought that would be where I landed, but I got to a point where, you know, you just can't survive seeing 60 to 80 people a week and do that for a long time and feel good about what you're doing and your body. I mean, it takes a toll. um, mm-hmm. I just felt like there was a better way. There's a better model out there for, for me as a clinician, but also for, for patients. Yeah. You know, Somebody, you know, in that model, it's, I want you to see your patients two to three times a week for four to six weeks. It's like, wow, that seems pretty generic, you know?
1: (laughs) Someone else is deciding on the treatment, not you. Oh, right. I mean, that's, that's a big difference for me. It's like, you know, I didn't go to PT school to be told how to treat patients. Exactly. Right.
0: And as a director, I was trying to, you know, save face for the organization, but also understand that some of my therapists were able to get people better, um, you know, quickly. And Mm -hmm. there was something that didn't feel right about saying, Hey, you know, you discharge them after five or six visits, you know, that's an abnormal discharge. Right. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I just think there's a better way.
1: Right. Right. That's awesome. Was there like one thing that like changed in your life or at work or something? you're like, all right, you know, the suggestion that was just made to me to look in a cash practice model is something I'm going to act on right now.
0: Yeah. I had a, a good friend, Britt Annis. She had worked with you previously and she owns a practice up in Burlington, Vermont. And mm. uh, something that was really unique to me is my partner at the time, we wanted to figure out where we wanted to be. We had kind of grown out of Rhode Island, but we weren't quite sure if we were going to go back to our homes. They were in different yeah. sides of the coast. And so I asked her, I said, do you think that I could have a cash PT practice in this incredibly seasonal place in Maine? Mm-hmm. And she told me to go for it. You yeah. know, a lot of people were like, "You are crazy. There's only fifteen hundred people there. There's not going to be enough to make a living. You only want to do it six months a year. It's too many like X's. It's like that's never going to work."
1: Yeah, but it has. It's totally has. That's awesome. So tell us, like, so what's the name? What's the name of the island again? It's called Deer Isle, Stonington. Okay, and there's fifteen hundred people that live there.
0: In the summer, it grows to about ten thousand.
1: Okay, more. and and how many lobsters are we talking?
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, someone can go out and catch two thousand pounds of lobster in a day.
1: Wow! Oh my gosh! So it's like sounds like heaven.
0: <laughs> it's it's great. I mean, it's one of the yeah. hardest working communities I've I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. So us So so people are people come in like what like. April, May, they start moving in and they stay through like September?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The fall foliage and then people leave. But then there's this community that live here, you know, year-round.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you've got a business there. So tell us a little bit about how did you set up your business with so many people moving in and out? Are you, you are you are only open six months a year or you have a presence there through the winter? You know, how does that, how does that work?
0: The last year I opened in May. Um, and I left at the middle of October, mm-hmm. um, which that worked well for me. I had worked at the insurance practice um, January through May. So, you know, it felt good. Um, and then I transitioned to California,
2: uh, mm-hmm.
0: where I also treat patients. Um, but then I came back in May, and I'm I'm still in Maine, and I'll be in Maine for a little while longer. Um, okay. I was expecting, you know, this is my first season really doing a winter in Maine, which
2: mm-hmm.
0: you've been up here, it's pretty, it's pretty quiet. but. Not not around the shore, and people are still coming in. I, I haven't dropped in my volume, so I'm still here and helping people get on their boats every day.
1: Yeah, so at the time that we are recording this, this is beginning of November, and so people are still, like, is this still in season, or is it like most people have gone already and you're still busy?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, the other businesses around town, like the restaurants, those are all pretty closed down. But lobster, I mean, that season goes through January. Okay. So there, there's a very active part of business that, you know, re, it really does revolve around the fishing industry. So, yeah.
1: well, so how does that, like, how does the whole lobster fishing industry, how is that, is that changed how you've kind of what you're offering for your, your business or how you're running your business other than like the time that it might be busy? What are the, like, how does that, what are the impacts that that's having?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's important to know that I had 13 lobster traps when I was in second or third grade.
2: Uh-huh. This, this is
0: just what people do here. By the time I was in high school, I was fishing 400 lobster traps. And before I even had I got a license to drive, I was on the water fishing um, for lobsters. So I think it's been really helpful for me because I know what these guys are doing on a day to day basis to their bodies.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And for them to come in and talk to a healthcare provider about, you know, the, 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 I see a ton of shoulder pain. So they can talk to me about their shoulder pain and I can treat them. But then I can immediately say like, you know, how are you doing? Uh, you know, how are you gaffing your buoys? And how are you picking your lobsters out of your traps? And suddenly their eyes get really big. It's like, I can do everything in the world for you today in this clinic. But if we don't address some of the body mechanics on your boat, you're going to have this forever. And mm-hmm. they and they immediately are sponges. They want to know everything because... I'm able to speak their language and I know, you know, what they're doing to their bodies on a day-to-day basis. And it's been really helpful that way.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So it's basically the same as like, if you were like, if you're a CrossFit coach, you know, the CrossFit lingo, but if you're don't do CrossFit, you try to sell to CrossFit, that they're not going to buy in the same way.
2: Well, right. Exactly.
1: You know, that's, that's awesome. I remember you saying, you know, when you opened, like you were busier than you expected to be. What were some of the things that you did to get to set your business up and set it up right the first time and get busy?
0: It's a small community. Uh, Mm -hmm. Word of mouth is, you know, can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Um, I really had the luxury of both my parents are business owners. So my dad is a longtime commercial fisherman and lobsterman. um, And my mom owns a retail store here that caters and, you know, does the supplies for fishermen. So thankfully I had a family that's well known in the community. Um, so that was really helpful, um, just from a networking standpoint. And when I got home, you know, I I never thought I would come back to Maine (sighs) never in my plan. And so when I was, you know, when I got here, people were quite surprised, but with the help of having that network and a strong community, I was able to, you know, offer some services and talk to people about, you know, what they're going through on their day to day basis with lobstering. But also I was a, an athlete here. So I had, a, you know, a clientele of high school kids that were uh, you had no idea really how to how to train and how to train you around and not get injured. Um, so I had a few different ways that I could, you know, <laughs> engage the local community. But, you know, from a standpoint of setting up my business, I made a lot of decisions early on to, you know, work with you and get things set up uh, the right way. Um, and so the combination of, you know, having mentors that have done it before, making sure I have all the, the software and the platforms so that I wasn't figuring it out as I go, right. um, having the community. I mean, I think the second week I was open, I had, I had 20 patients on my schedule. It was unheard of.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I know other people who've done similar, but it's not typical, you know, and if you have, if you do things right, then it sounds like what you're doing is like you get people and people know about you. And that's, and that's even just something i just, we discussed on one of the other podcasts I've recorded this week is that what's the best thing to do is to get people, get in front of people and people know who you are and know you're there. So was there one thing as you were getting things prepared to open and that, that you did and you were like, oh, I wouldn't do that again, or that kind of didn't work the way I expected it?
0: Yeah, you know, everyone, you feel inclined to throw a little bit of money at advertising in a paper format. Um, You know, I I didn't do the whole uh, mailing out cards, but I did put an advertisement in the local paper. I don't necessarily regret that decision, mostly because the local paper is owned by people who are, you know, working hard and I'm happy to support their business. And um, so. I don't regret that decision, but I don't think it it made a huge impact on my success early on. Yeah,
1: it it was more like giving back rather than like exactly. Yeah, okay. And was there was there something like was there a specific strategy of like how you advertised through your word of mouth or what you did that really built things up? Was there something like an offer or just like a you know like way you did workshops or just emailing people? Was there something you did that like really made a difference?
0: Yeah. You know, having worked in the insurance based practice, uh, they had a really solid discharge plan. And mm-hmm. so people left the practice. It was, do you know anybody who needs my help? And so it's kind of been ingrained since day one of being a PT to, you know, seek out uh, the network of the people in front of you. Um, and you don't have to do that in a way that's super salesy, but you know, if you're connecting with people, you suddenly learn about your, your patient's husband who's dealing with this shoulder in injury. Um, so I'm you know, just talking to people and like being interested in them. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, I always used to uh, talk to my juniors at my previous job, like be interested, not interesting. Right. And it, it will come to you. Um, yeah, that's awesome. now, it's such a small community. Now yeah. I go in the grocery store and I've got three or four people that are like, Hey, I hear you treat shoulders like. Do you also treat this? I'm like, oh, you know, getting my groceries and
1: yeah. You're like a (laughs) local celebrity.
0: I mean, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nothing around here. You know, this is PT is 45 minutes away.
1: Is that on a different island? Um, Mainland. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, what do people to take a ferry in in the mainland to get there?
0: No, we have a bridge. Okay. Yeah, we've
1: never been there. I mean, North Carolina, we got some bridges and we got some ferries. So yeah,
0: no, I mean, a lot of the islands around here have ferries.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so just paint this picture. Like, there's 1,500 people, but like, how many? Like, how big is the island? How dense is it? Like, is it twenty? Is it five miles by five miles, or are we talking like big? I
0: think it's about 12 miles by six miles. So. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. And is it? And it's mostly. People who, who fish lobsters and the support you need to, like, have some restaurants, some groceries, some supplies, things like that. But is there hospital, emergency room, or, you know, yeah, that kind of yeah. thing there?
0: There's a local medical center. Okay. Uh, pretty much people who live on the island are somehow connected to the fishing industry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And who's coming in the summer? Are these tourists or are these other fishermen from other areas coming up?
0: Uh, mostly there are people who summer here in Maine. Uh, uh-huh. like the entire summer okay so that's primarily people but i i did this summer you know once you get out on the boat i mean they talk so much it's yeah. kind of we call them like the, the gossipy guys you know they're they're on their radios and their vhf but i did have a couple guys from a different island come over to to see if i could help them with their back. Like, oh, if I have people from other islands coming, I really need another PT,
1: right? Right? So, yeah. do you have have you thought like, are you in the process of hiring someone or like, because like, you got busy, right?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, in the spike of my season, which was about a month ago, I was it was pretty tough, um, yeah, I find time to f- squeeze people in. It was you know 38 to 42 people a week.
1: Wow, wow, that's intense, that's a lot,
0: yeah. but. Up until this year, I've been renting out space at the local fitness center. Mm-hmm. I don't have room to put another therapist, right? But I I recently purchased a, a building in downtown uh, Deer Isle, uh, okay. and so I have the space now. And yeah, you you can bet that finding a finding some help is going to be one of the, my first priorities in the spring, if not sooner.
1: Yeah, well, that's awesome. And it, so, does that mean that you've You've got this location. That are you renting out part of it, and you're using part of it, or is it just a location just for your clinic?
0: Right now, it's just for me. I could rent up some space upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get in there and get settled before I I get somebody else in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And that you know, rental opportunity is there, which is nice.
1: Right, right. And and is it like a like a storefront, or is it just like an office building?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a storefront. It's literally right on the water. Really? Oh <laughs> yeah. My God. It, it's cr- i i send pictures back to all my friends in Rhode Island
1: yeah they're
0: just like what that's your clinic you just you, I have a huge like 10 by 10 window sitting on the water
1: can you send me a picture <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> send me a picture that looks awesome so what is i mean these are like two questions they're basically the same but the one is last one is looking backwards one's looking forward what did you do different between your first year and your second year you know so in the winter last this past winter What'd you do different to make this year? Like, I don't want to say better, but like easier, better, more profitable, whatever. Like what is something you changed this year that's enhanced your business? And what are you going to change over the course of this next winter season for next to enhance next year?
0: Yeah, so last winter, I spent a lot of time working on my back end systems. I was out in California for a period of time and to get a license out there takes months and months. So I panicked a little bit and then, you know, Uh, was highly encouraged to take this time, look at your backend system. So I, you know, I got in with, um, you know, an email automation system. I really, I wrote out some eBooks for patients to help generate leads. Um, And so that was incredibly helpful just to also just write, just, you know, it's so easy to get writer's blocks. What do I have to say? But just start writing. And so I started doing uh, weekly newsletters for people on my uh, email list. And once you start the process, it becomes so much easier, but in the beginning, it can be pretty daunting,
1: yeah, that's awesome. And so what are you working on as this season winds down? What's your goal for the next you know few months to to before next year starts?
0: so finding another p t is you know one of my first priorities, um mm-hmm. but it's important to me to find somebody who has a similar you know approach to therapy, but also you know give my body a break, and it's pretty intense for like six months, yeah. Uh, to work on some of my other interests, I'm I teamed up with a couple of my therapists back in Rhode Island, some good friends of mine, and we're working on some like digital education content called Athlete Rx. Mm-hmm. Hoping to uh, do something, per, you know, create different revenue streams, but that don't require my hands on mm-hmm. manual therapy.
1: <laughs> right, right. You're a part of two different like online kind of platforms. There's our Athlete RX and Heligo. And I'm a little bit more familiar with Heligo, but tell us about each of those and, you know, like what, what do they each do? And how'd you decide to get into more of a, you know, non direct one-on-one hands-on care type of business, but using your, using your background and education?
0: Yeah. So, you know, a couple of years ago, my dad had a pretty serious shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. And I would drive home from Rhode Island and I would help him out. I'd give him all these exercises and then I would go back to Rhode Island and, you know, talking to him at nighttime, I would just learn that he just wasn't doing the the protocol I had given him. And, you know, it didn't take me long to figure out that he's not unique. Like this is the reality that most people come to PT and then they go home and they don't do anything. Um, and it's not because they don't want to, but they don't necessarily have the tools um, for success. So I got into this habit of calling him on a nightly basis and saying, "Hey, Dad, did you do your exercises?" And he's like, "Nope, but thanks for calling." And then he would do them, and I was like, "Wow! Like we really need a better system for physical therapy to get people compliant with their with their exercise programs or whatever it is that you're prescribing them." Um, and that's sort of how the birth of Heligo started was. How is it possible that we have anti-gravity treadmills in clinics, but we're still handing out a piece of paper with stick figures? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. So I teamed up with some guys in healthcare technology, and we've uh, been in the process of creating uh, a mobile app for patients to help them, you know, stay on track with their recovery, send them reminders, but also collect some clinically meaningful data to help you as a PT. So that's the Heligo story. Uh, It's out there in existence. And for Athlete RX, uh, yeah, it's a, two of my very good friends from Rhode Island. They're both heavy into CrossFit and, you know, a couple of our friends own CrossFit gyms and just in conversations with them, they would come to us and say, hey, this person's coming back from an ACL injury. You know, they've gone through PT, but is there something I should be looking for? Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to, you know, bring like-minded people together and talk about uh, these particular injuries and how you can, you know, rather than rather than telling an athlete they they can't do um, a particular, you know, um, how they can modify it safely, what to look for, safe progressions, uh, how to maximize their mobility. You know, if someone can't get into uh, an overhead press, you know, is it their shoulder or is it their thoracic spine? So trying to give people some tools uh, to, you know, help athletes and coaches be more effective and better uh, performers.
1: That's awesome. Is Athlete RX geared towards the, athlete the coach or the therapist
0: uh, not therapist so it's not okay. facing. so yeah. uh, athletes and coaches
1: okay so it's a tool that a tool that the that you guys as therapists came up with to help the coaches be more successful in their coaching
0: yeah right now we're just uh we're putting out content there on a you know weekly basis of so, you know showing people oh like Assess this uh, overhead mobility with your athletes, and if they are unable to perform, you know pull ups. You know, look at these particular mm-hmm. items. Um, but uh, you know, we're, our goal for that for Athlete RX is to build out uh, an online course for people to learn more about. We're working on shoulders as we speak, but um, to tackle different areas.
1: That's awesome. Is the end game to get people back in your clinic, or is it to sell memberships or sell like the app downloads, those kinds of things?
0: Yeah, for Athlete RX is to sell uh course memberships. Yeah.
1: Cool. And what does that look like? What is a what is a course like what is your idea of what like what do you guys have down? Like, like this is what we're kind of building. It's a is it weekly, monthly memberships, you know, one-time?
0: Um, so it would be a one-time course fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we're using a lot of uh, Alex and Will's uh, advice on you know how to build online courses. Mm-hmm you know, that's been so incredibly helpful to learn the you know, click funnel system. Um, I mean, it really is in its infancy at the moment. Um, But, you know, we have an outline of the things that we are commonly asked as PTs from, you know, CrossFit athletes and and coaches. And so we're using uh, basically that material to, you know, create little videos and if it's for them.
1: That's really awesome. That's exciting. And it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's your, what's your role? Are you just recording videos, exercises, or are you doing like, do you guys each have like different roles in, in this, you know, how does that work out?
0: Um, the three of us right now have really spread it out. So every day we are someone's posting to our social media platforms and we're just growing this out. But um, when I transition back to California, really diving into building out the course more mm-hmm. learning how to build out the courses. Yeah. So, you know, that's something I'm really interested in not just for athlete RX, but, you know, helping people uh, maybe with low back pain that can't make it to see me because I'm in California and they want a way to uh, be able to address their, their issues without having the one-on-one help.
1: Right. Right. Like some of the fishermen back home over the winter, if you're not there, what are they going to do January, February?
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. That's really, that's brilliant. That's amazing. I love it. So what's next? So you've got this business that's running. You got you got a couple online courses uh, or programs. Maybe hire a PT. Like where do you see yourself in like five like five years? What what do you think? Where are you heading? What are you what are you growing towards?
0: So I would love to be able to treat um, you know for a portion of the year and have revenue streams so that I can also be hands off for a portion of the year as well. Mm -hmm. Being a PT is tough on your body, you know. Yeah, and also just I like to have the break.
2: Yeah, you know, that's awesome.
0: I like to play multiple sports, uh, mostly because I, I like to change things up and you know not get bored. So, yeah, is a terrible thing, and you know that that's basically what I was facing at my last job. I was like, ah, you know, I feel like I've been doing the same thing day in and day out, um, and it just wasn't it wasn't working for me. And like my my personality is all right. What's next? What's mm-hmm. I'm always pushing the envelope forward.
1: That's neat. That's neat. So if if you were going to go back and do it all over again, you know, whether that was from high school to college, becoming a PT or, you know, getting out of school and starting a business somewhere along there, like w- what would you do differently? Is there anything that you would change?
0: I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> Honestly, I can't say I would change it. Yeah. You know, I, I, if I had done it sooner, I probably could have made more money um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: doing the cash PT. I mean, it was pretty eye-opening to me f- to work for a week and make the same as I was making for, you know, in a month at an insurance-based practice. So I certainly could have made more money had I made the choice. But, I mean, that was such a valuable experience for me to, uh, you know, get the business management side of mm-hmm. operating practice, even though it's not entirely how I would do it was incredibly helpful.
1: Right. If someone's thinking about uh, getting into cash-based physical therapy, what would be your best piece of advice for them?
0: Do it. Take the leap. Find mentors. Uh, You know, I think you guys have helped to generate a network of people that are, uh, you know, speaking positively about how to do this. But in the beginning, it's, it's kind of scary. And for for people who, they, you know, people want to use the health insurance, right? right, right. It, like a mortgage payment for most people, and they 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 pay a huge bill every month to use their health insurance. So when you go out there and start telling people you're going to create a model that doesn't necessarily embrace that um, what what they have known, uh, it can be pretty scary. Um, yeah. So you know, finding people who have done it and have been, had some success doing it, it definitely would be my first piece of advice, find somebody who's done it and, and take the leap.
1: Awesome. Was it easy?
0: I mean, it's, it's hard work. Yeah. You know, like you're going to put in a lot of time. You're going to be working at your insurance based model and figuring out how to set up your cash practice uh, probably at the same time. And so it's, it's a ton of hours. And if you can get through uh, the planning process, you know, I know some people who have thought about it for years and years and years. Like, you just got to do it.
1: So. Right. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. You know, I, I think. It, I mean, I think the payoff is worth it. You know, oh,
2: absolutely. Like,
1: yeah. What What about someone who's been in business for a year or more? You know, and they're not finding um, like exactly what they want, or success, or maybe they're not profitable. Is it? Because that might be a little bit different piece of advice, or from your experience, you know, doing this for a couple years now. Like, is there's something that that not just starting your business, but as you've worked through two years of two seasons of doing this that you've learned that you're like, Oh, I should have done this the first season or, or this is what, you know, like, this is the thing that's made the big difference for me this year.
0: Yeah. Um, get in front of people. You know, I think that's also really scary for people to do, but get out there and like, give a lot of information. Um, Mm -hmm. we are experts and people still don't know what PTs do. So you know getting out there and hosting you know a free event on back pain for 45 minutes you know, make it warm and comfortable for people to come and ask questions uh, just get in front of people and you know go to people's events also support whatever it is that they're doing in a small community like where i'm from it's you know i go to everything i go to the country club to support you know the uh, what they're doing up there um there's you know local nonprofits that are helping fishermen and so you know, I went there and that uh, gave a, a shoulder seminar. Um, but it, even if it's completely unrelated to healthcare, like supporting the local opera house, like mm-hmm. support, give away as much as you can. And, you know, people will, you know, start to understand your expertise and how you can help them. And, uh, you know, I think, supporting others has definitely been one of the biggest things that um, has helped me along the way.
1: Wow. That's amazing. That's great. That's, that's really powerful. So Holland, um, if someone wants to learn a little bit more about your business or you get in touch with you, how do we find you online?
0: Yeah. So, uh, my, my PT practice is coastline therapy.com. People can always email me, uh, Holland, H O L L A N. There's no D <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: at coastline therapy.com. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to help anybody who interested in taking this leap. Um, it's, it's totally worth it.
1: That's awesome. And then for what is the other Heligo is that if they want to learn about that or just check that out, is yeah. there that in athlete RX or the, does that have a website yet? Uh,
0: no, okay. uh, Heligo for sure does. Um, heligo.com. Um, okay. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. I love it. So you've got, uh, 1500 people in, in town. Ten thousand in the summer, which is still not very many, and and, and you're killing it, and you've got great lobster, and you probably are sick and tired of the taste.
0: No, I <laughs> I, I love lobster. <laughs> well, I would consider this my like slow season. Uh
1: huh.
0: Still seeing like thirty to thirty-five people a week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it's not really? sustainable, though. I mean, I got I need to uh, ex- expand out and grow and bring mm. on as well. but. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you think you live in an area that's, you know, it's not big enough to sustain your practice, uh, it, it's possible. You just yeah.
1: get
0: out there, get networking.
1: I love that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those things people say, like, Oh, it's, my town isn't big enough. I'm like, what do you mean? Your town's not big enough. Right. And you know, the value is there. There's so many people that need us. I, and I love being able to, you know, just, you know, have you, you know, showcase the fact that not only are you in a small town, but you're doing great and you've got a great niche and, you know, you've done a lot of things right. So congratulations. That's pretty thank awesome. You. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for being here today. Um, this is, I, I always love, you know, hearing what other, other people's stories and, and thank you for sharing and taking the time out of your busy day to come be on the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Welcome. Um, this is the Cash PG Lunch Hour with Aaron Labauer and Holland Oliver, and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, thanks again for spending your time with us today. If you're a new listener, then thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget you can find all the resources and links mentioned, as well as show notes, over at aaronlabauer.com. If you found this podcast and information valuable to you, We would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes and a shout out on social media, wherever you hang out.